Welcome into the official Guru Nation Fantasy Football Podcast today. I got my guy Kenny with me, and we have a couple special guests from Future of Fantasy Football. You can follow them on Twitter at Future of Fantasy, but instead of a Y, you're going to put a one there. At Future of Fantasy with the one instead of the Y. Go follow them on Twitter, guys. Um, we are excited to have you guys. So, how are you guys doing today? Pretty easy for me. Good. Doing great. Awesome. Can't wait to get the week going. June, boys, we got season. That's rocket. Yeah, we're kicking it off. Just started. That's yeah, it's, it's June now. It's it's time to start doing those mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mock draft. Training camp's gonna start up soon. Can't wait. Yeah. What do you What do you guys use for for mock drafts? Do you guys use ESPN or Sleeper? Sleeper. We've been doing yeah. Sleeper lately. Yeah, I've always been ESPN, but I've really migrated to Sleeper this past, like the last year. Sleeper's up their game, man. Yeah, we uh, so we have four dynasty leagues, like kind of in our our network, and two of them are going to be hosted on Sleeper this year, and I think the other two are on MFL or Yahoo. So, really glad that uh, we're getting our our new one that Dalton and I are in together on uh, Sleeper. Much preferring that to MFL this point oh Oh, yeah it's good stuff man so uh we're gonna be talking a little bit buys and sells here um just kind of go debate maybe maybe some guys that a lot of people are split on consensus guys that not necessarily people are trying to understand what their value is and whatnot so we're just going to be debating a few players um here and there probably six seven eight try and cover all the positions and um just see what their dynasty stock value is and just uh kind of make some points on these guys yeah so on that note we went through a little bit ahead of time and some guys that we're in a little bit of disagreement on are hunter henry and or not hunter henry uh derrick henry and Le'Veon bell tyler boyd and tyler lockett lamar jackson um Robinson, Godwin, and then at tight end, we've got O.J. Howard and Mark Andrews. So I'm not sure if we're going to hit everybody here tonight, but we're going to try and talk through and kind of just go back and forth and debate the two groups' kind of view here on what guys were buying in Dynasty this offseason and who we're trying to sell if we get the right offer. Awesome. So we're going to kick it off here at quarterback with uh, Lamar Jackson? Yeah, let's take it from there at the top. So uh, let's defer to our guests. Uh why are you guys selling Lamar Jackson this offseason? Rushing stats have peaked. Like, they were all-time high last year. They probably came out saying they're not going to rush nearly as much for Lamar. And then straight up, if you just look at the film, he cannot be a QB right now. There's no way you can tell me he can be three more years. And then we've seen with RG3, uh, one ACL tear, maybe even an eight. You see if Wilson, his little ankle injury two years ago, he's not the same thing anymore. And Lamar's probably the worst passer out of the three of them. So I really I think he's going to be one of those trap buys where you expect something big, and then he just out of, the, out of the starting job in two years. You know, that sounds bad. I mean, personally, I'm a Ravens fan as well, but not a huge Lamar Jackson fan. After watching this game last year, he's still a project. He needs a lot of work in. Honestly, mobile QBs, they don't. They don't last long in the NFL. They don't win much in the NFL unless they change their game into a passing game. And I don't know if Lamar can do that. And like I said, they get injured easily. They don't last long. 
Yeah. Wall is definitely top stuff. Someone's gonna buy with him. There's one person that loves Lamar out there. Never leave. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the the problem with trying to sell Lamar right now is he didn't finish the year so hot. His dynasty ADP is at the exact same spot that it was this time last year. Um, so I don't I don't know if you're gonna get the the ROI on him that you're you're hoping for. And I think that we we have seen that if a mobile QB gets hit with injury, like RG three, they're gonna suffer, but. You've also got guys like Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, who have taken the league by storm and have proven that they're going to go at the later half of drafts, especially if you're in a redraft league. I think Lamar Jackson could be a great pickup at the tail end of a draft in the 12th, 13th round, wherever he's going, because those rushing yards are going to carry you. If he's getting 60 to 80 rushing yards a game, that is an insane floor. And so in Dynasty, I feel like people might be kind of lukewarm on him. So I think you could probably get him for fair price right now. And it, you're you're banking on that before the kind of boom, like that second, third year boom that you normally see for quarterback. So if you can get him now for a decent price, like I'm not saying spend first round pick on Mar Jackson right now, but if you can buy him for second, third round pick, maybe a player swap then i'm all on that yeah 100 percent. i think i think he's a definite buy you guys definitely bring up some good points about like his longevity in the league as a passer and i think those are genuine questions that you know he has to answer because he didn't top over uh 204 yards in any game passing last year he didn't really show much of the passer um and there's also a lot of injury concern there i mean he, he ran the ball roughly 10 times a game um that was just throughout the whole season. He was rushing probably like close to 14, 15 times a game when he was a starter. So um, there's definitely major concern in terms of an injury there. But if we're just looking at, let's say, the next two, three-year window where the Ravens spent a first-round pick on him. So they're going to give him time to at least, you know, have at this offense. And if you look at what they did in the offseason by bringing or uh, using high draft picks on uh, wide receivers and Marquise Brown, and they brought in... Uh, Miles Boykin in the third round. Um, they're starting to surround him with a little bit of weapons there, bringing in running backs like Justice Hill, Mark Ingram to kind of really help him out there um, in the offense. Not to mention when he was a quarterback last year in terms of just fantasy scoring. As a starter, he finished – he only had one game – or he had two games where he wasn't a quarterback one. Um, so out of his seven starts, he finished as a quarterback one in five of those starts. He finished, um, and those two games he didn't, he finished as the 15th and the 16th rusher. So he carries such a safe floor every single week that I think um, even if his passing upgrade doesn't increase, which I think that there's reason to believe that it will, at least in some aspect, because rookie quarterbacks usually aren't very good their first year. But if you look at their second year, all these quarterbacks take a jump. You look at guys like Mitchell Trubisky. You look at guys like Patrick Mahomes, even though they didn't necessarily play his first year up. Jared Goff, all these guys really start to elevate their second year once they have another year in the system and really start to understand the NFL. So um, if anything does happen to his passing game where he does become an adequate quarterback, we can definitely see Cam Newton-like numbers. Cam Newton is not exactly the greatest passing quarterback in the NFL. I'd say he's league average um, at best as a passer, but he still puts up top five fantasy seasons, uh, five of the past seven seasons. So Cam Newton, um, just that rushing floor is going to consistently give you such, such a safe floor. 
and it's essentially a cheat code having a guy who's able to get you uh, 10 points on the ground and then just anything that he throws um, through the air is just on top of that so I like him a lot I'd like to bring up one major point here about Lamar if you take week 17 which counted for the Ravens and in the week ball card round Lamar Jackson was nothing the films on him they, they have to change their whole offense for him to be successful again then, I mean, if you're just going to stack the box when DBs at the front seven, eliminate his rushing ability, then he's going to become a pass-first guy, and I don't trust him there. I'm scared about that week 17 in the wild card round showing, and the people bringing up the garbage time where they make a camp comeback. That first half was bench-worthy for a QB who led you there. I'm just, I'm too scared. But that's you. I mean, I, you guys bring up great points as well. That rushing floor is very tempting. Yeah, I mean, week week seventeen. I mean, he ended up as the QB five that week, which I know. Granted, it's week seventeen; it's not a lot going on, and he only had one hundred and seventy nine passing yards. Um, but he had ninety rushing yards on twenty attempts through touch in week seven. So, if I'm getting anywhere close to that production on a weekly basis, I'm willing to take him as a late-round QB four, especially if I can get him for a second-round pick in the league. I don't see why not. Yeah, 100%. All right, move on to a couple other guys we had. Kenny, who's next on our list there for uh, some bonuses? All right, so after Lamar Jackson, uh, we can either do QB or running back. I think the big name that we want to leave with here would be Le'Veon Bell. The, probably the biggest question mark for all of 2018 and coming into 2019. Recently signed a monster deal with the New York Jets. And he, I mean, I, I think Le'Veon Bell for a, a while has been a pretty contentious fantasy football player just because of the concerns around it. But he signed a four-year, $52.5 million contract with $27 million guaranteed. And then all of a sudden, the GM of the Jets gets fired, and Adam Gase is sitting here saying, granted, Manish Mehta, who was the mouthpiece for the old GM, is saying, oh, Adam Gase never wanted to sign Le'Veon Bell to begin with. So here we are now. Adam Gase is now kind of, publicly declaring his support for Bell, as a good head coach should. Um, but I think Le'Veon Bell is a very interesting candidate. We all know what he can do when he's on the field. He's undoubtedly one of the best running backs in the league when he's healthy and playing. But it's a question of what are the Jets going to do with him? So um, I don't know who wants to start it off here with Bell. Uh, are we buying or selling Bell? I'm buying him. I think you can buy him. I have a lot of why, I think. You can go, Sandy. Yeah, I'm buying him. Uh, I like I wrote an article on him a couple days ago. But Adam Gase, I for, for one think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the NFL. Him and Jay Gruden, the top two most underrated coaches. And uh, Adam Gase, people hate him because of the Drake in the past two seasons. But when they went to the playoffs in 2016, they want they went there through their defense in the running game. They had Jay Ajahi, who averaged like 20 carries a game, and they like two or three targets a game. But Bell is way better pass catcher, so they're going to get him the ball there. 
I mean, the workload's a little questionable because he's getting older, so they're going to limit it so they can maximize a four-year contract, one there for two years and being done. But I'm thinking, like, you buy here, he blows up next year. I'm thinking, like, top eight PPR running back. That's my projection right now. You get that, and then people make like, wait, why are we all so low on Bell? They're buy, then you sell him there, you high sell him. Then, I mean, he's going to be 28 by then. Backs 10 to end, around 29, 30-ish, unless you're, like, an AP, but... I don't think Le'Veon Bell's an AP is too agile and elusive. I don't think he's going to just run hard every play. But overall, I think people are in the Jets' offense as a whole. I think it's going to be like a top 10 offense next year. Wow. I'm bold, but I'm hot on all of them. Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, Christian Hardon, Bell, Gase. It's good. That team is going to be special next year. Just watch. That's the last year. It's like you used to think the Bears, the team that no one expects, but somehow it all comes together because the head coach just has a system of works and then i think bell is gonna be the best bell cow next year he has to that contract means the face of the franchise bring us home some games and he did in pittsburgh i think he's adp rb 17 he's definitely finishing top 10 next year yeah i mean that's definitely that's definitely fair i mean he's going pretty late in redrafts but he is 27 and he had a year off so maybe kind of taking a pause on the mileage does a lot of good for him long term but I mean, for me, part of it is just I don't trust the Jets as a whole. Um, being a fan in the division, I've just seen the function run wild for so long. When you're firing your GM two weeks after the draft and he ran your entire free agency and draft selection, I just feel like that's where you kind of see the owner getting more involved than he should be. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like Bell, we haven't seen him for a year. And at this point, it's just way too many question marks for me because I feel like any Bell owner is going to be looking for mid to mid RB1 price tag on him. And I just don't know if you're actually going to be able to get him. For, I feel like last year was the time to buy Bell. I feel like now that he got his contract, the price tag has gone up way too much for him that he is just he's he may meet his production sure um but at this point i just think that bell is kind of not spoiled goods but he's uh you're, you're looking at the past production past production is two three years ago yeah, I mean, you guys definitely bring up some really good points in terms of why why Bell could be very good this year. And I think he is. I mean, if you just look at his dynasty ADP, he's the 11th ranked running back. Um, I'm still leaning more on the sell side. I think it's more, more of an age, age concern as well as him being out of the league for a full year. We really don't have much data to really go off of because we haven't seen a guy hold out an entire season like that's extremely rare to see that happen so there's really not much to go off there so we don't know how that's going to affect but i think there's certain some certainly some risk involved there but in terms of just what we're expecting this year as rb11 in dynasty i think you're going to get at least your year one you're going to get some good return on investment there because they, like they didn't sign him 12 million dollars a year to not be involved in the offense like he's going to be the workhorse there um you made a really good point on the fact that the Jets are 
going to be a good offense here, and I think I actually agree with that. I think the Jets are going to be a very underrated offense. They have a bunch of up-and-coming guys. Robbie Anderson, they have they signed Crowder, and they have um, they have Anunua. They got Anunua. I haven't seen anybody talking about Crowder. Like, he, oh, he is the buy option on the Jets offense. Yeah, I I love Herndon too. I mean, as far as tight ends go, I Herndon, he had a very strong year. I had him listed on a bounce back article that I was working on earlier, and I just think Herndon is tight ends always take until year two to develop more than any other position, and so you could see big things from Herndon this year, and especially. Young QBs look to their tight end as a safety blanket. Like, it's just kind of how it works. And will sometimes hang out lower, and it's just they're the bigger body. They have a little bit of a bigger atrophy, so they can kind of cover for some QB errors. So if Herndon is getting Darnold's trust in camp, then that's something to pay attention to. But Bell, it. Bell, it's going to be a big question of that. I mean, there was concerns earlier in the offseason that he had put on a little bit of weight during his time off. We haven't really seen any footage of him from OTAs yet, so it's hard to say. He hasn't been, he hasn't been showing up to OTAs. He hasn't, hasn't shown up yet. Oh, my God. He, I didn't know that. I mean, that's even more. He, he didn't show up to OTAs? No, he's too good for them. <laughs> who, who does he think he is, Tom Brady? Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady shows I'll up, though. That's funny. No, but talking about Bell a little bit more, it's like, um, I think if you're in Dynasty, though, he's a sell because after after this year, like, even if he has a good year this year, we constantly see it year after year. Once uh, running backs um, get past that age apex, and 27 is, like, right on the edge of that age apex of what you want, once he hit 28, these guys' values drop. So even if he does have a good season, um his value is going to drop regardless. So I think that you're looking at a depreciating asset regardless of how he performs this year. And you're also looking at like risk involved that maybe there's injury, um, there's a higher injury probability because he hasn't been in for a certain amount of time um, playing the game. So there's there's just some questions there. Um, but year one, I think he's fine. After that, I think uh, definitely a sell for, uh, just sell ahead yeah. of time just to get ahead of the curve before he's a sell next year. I just want to add one more thing on Bell there. Yeah. It all comes down to price. Yeah. And I and I think Robert kind of talked about that a little bit. And it's like if you can get Bell at his startup ADP price in an existing dynasty league, like if I don't have to pay RB1 price tag for Le'Veon Bell right now, I'd consider it. Mm-hmm. Like if I could flip Aaron Jones straight up for Le'Veon Bell. I, I think that what, what would you do there? Because I, I actually have Aaron Jones in Dynasty. Who would you rather long term? One hundred percent. Taking Bell. Yeah. So it's like if you got a Dynasty owner who was in a rebuild and who's just like, I don't want to hold on to Bell anymore, and you could flip an Aaron Jones one or an AJ Green. Like, I think at that point you're looking at a question where it's like, all right, it's probably worth buying, but I feel like most owners especially in startups where they spent top seven, eight pick on Bell in, a, in any startup draft the last couple of years, you're going to have to overpay for him. 
Yeah. And, that, and that's just right. And, and that's where I th- think the problem is, is he could reach top 10 potential, but for how long? Yeah. But if you're willing to buy him right now and you can get a deal on him and he lights it up this season, sell immediately. Like, and that's the thing. Like, if you can buy him for cheap now and then flip a mid season, do it. Yeah, true. That's a good point. You could buy him now in some mid season, get that production in, and then still uh, gain value back on that trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big thing for Le'Veon Bell is just the the mileage so far. I mean, across his career, he's had what is it? He, he's just had he's had almost thirteen hundred rushing attempts, and yeah, I mean, he's had over fifteen hundred touches wow. in his career. That's a and that's in five seasons, and then he took 2018 off. 100%. So, does taking that season off reset him enough? I don't know. It, it, it's a huge question mark, and I think the Jets' offense is a huge question mark as well. I know you guys love the Jets' offense this year, which is a definitely a bold take. <laughs> Sam Darn, voice top 10 QB. Curtis. I, I could see it. I it see it's it. just... If, I'm a betting man, and I, I I put my money on uh, on that not happening this year. It as long as Brady's running that division. Brady <laughs> he's done. Sam Michelle leads that team next year. Brady's got three more solid years. Come on now. <laughs> I don't think you want that. Of course we want that. <laughs> you think you think he's gonna actually win your Super Bowl next year? You guys are done. They say that every year, right? <laughs> We don't need to get into a Tom Brady debate. Is that well, that that will go quite a while. I've been through those. Do not talk. Uh, all right. So Le'Veon Bell, the uh, future of fantasy football guys, say bye, and uh, Guru Nation says sell. Uh, next up on the list, we have uh, Derek Henry. So, tell me what you guys are feeling about Derrick Henry. You bought him. You bought him. He's one of the most underrated running backs in the league. Um, statistically, like, he, his yards per carry going last year when they started running the ball through him, like, I thought they were from week one, but they started late. The man's, if he stays healthy, he's like, he's, he's our next beast mode. He's going to be that one running wow. back. No, no one values high. And like he's just gonna keep getting like the top. I mean, he's a standard league performance. PPR is gonna be a little less. But like he's just gonna run the ball down your throat, four four to break one, and then like just like how that happens. Like that's running the ball, winning the games. And Tennessee for trash of an offense. Whoever's QB, I don't really care you who, who should take QB. Henry's gonna be the bell cow there. I mean, people said Deion Lewis last year. We saw him being healthy. <laughs> and then Mariota, he won't play six games at least. At least. Tannehill, who had, what, like, one and a half weeks, if that. They're just going to be handing the ball off all game. And their defense is underrated, sneaky underrated. And that division as a whole, Texans, all the team's philosophies are play defense, run the ball, eliminate possible QB hits. You have the coach who did last year, which would be like Andrew Locke. Why didn't he be in the They saw that shoulder injury. Texans last year, Deshaun Watson in the wild card game the whole season was and hit every other play. That O line was awful. 
the Jaguars, the way they got to the championship game, Leonard Fournette's defense, now they have an upgrade at QB. So that's already five games, where it's going to be like a ground and pound, like a 17-14 type score finish probably, projecting. And Henry, again, is an RB2 value. I've seen, I have him in all my dynasty leagues. Got him like in the six or seven from startups, and I'm happy. I'm not complaining there at all. No, and I mean, it's, that's my, it's an, uh, it's, it's an interesting, uh, conundrum there because I feel like the biggest problem with Derrick Henry has been his utilization. And if I had confidence that, Tennessee's coaching staff was going to make Derrick Henry a workhorse and give him 20 touches plus a game minimum, I would trade quite a bit for him because he is still very young and I think he could do a lot of good. He's 25 years old. He's entering his, I think, fourth year in the NFL, and Deion Lewis is not your traditional running back. He's undersized. He's a pass guy. But the thing is, the Titans last season had the number nine offensive line in the NFL, and Arthur Smith was promoted to offensive coordinator for the year. And they he's expected to run a similar system to Matt LaFleur. And what that tells me is that it's going to be a running back committee this year, at least to begin with. And I don't know if Derrick Henry is going to get enough carries to sustain it. And we've seen it. When Derrick Henry gets a lot of workload, like he did weeks 13 through 17 this past season, he can be an RV one But I don't think he's going to get it consistently. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that one week puts up 25 points, the next week puts up Four, like, and to your point, I think you mentioned the Titans don't have a whole lot going on on offense. They're relying on their defense to keep them in games. That means that they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit, and that means that I'd be going with a Corey Davis or Delaney Walker as my option there. Somebody who might get some garbage time points when they're playing from behind, but in the passing game, or Deion Lewis out of the backfield because. Derrick Henry, if they're winning games and controlling the clock and giving him 20-plus touches, I'm all in. I just don't see it happening right now. Yeah, I uh, I kind of agree with you there, Kenny. I think that he's a sell, and it's not because he's not a good running back. It's because he doesn't catch any passes. He uh, averaged under one target per game uh, last year as a running back, and that's where a majority of the points are. That's where your floor is when it comes to these running backs. So um, even if he finishes with, you know, 20 carries a game, which it seems like all indications are the Titans are going to use him as a workhorse running back. But even if he is getting 20, 25 carries a game, he's going to have these inconsistent weeks where you're paying a mid-RB2 price. You're paying him at currently... Um, pick 18 right now in terms of running backs uh, in Dynasty. You're spending a top four-round pick according to ADP on him. So that's if, if all things go well, you're looking at Henry, and his ADP is likely going to jump to second round. But it's also a second rounder that you don't want to be targeting because he doesn't catch any passes. So 
Um, I think he's going to be a very inconsistent asset um, unless, like, he surprises and he decides to um, – they decide to throw him the ball and he catches 50-plus passes. Then I could truly see Derek Henry <laughs> becoming, like, a, a true workhorse running back. But there's no evidence of that. We haven't seen any evidence of it in the first three seasons that he's going to be a receiving back, and he looks like a guy who's going to be just a ground and pound, a good running back, better NFL than fantasy type of running back. And um, – I'm selling because of the fact that, hey, if it doesn't happen this year, if Deion Lewis is more involved, like if all this stuff that um, we are expecting based off of the last four games of the season, which um, let's kind of use this as caution because we saw it um, a few years ago with JGI when he had these three or four huge games in Miami and everyone shot him up draft boards and then he ended up not doing anything. Now, I do think Derrick Henry is a much better running back than JGI, but small sample size of those workhorse carries he his first his first uh 12 games last year he had two games with over 12 carries and then he hit 16 or more the last four games so definitely caution for concern there if he doesn't hit this year his value is absolutely just going to tank and tennessee is likely drafting another running back next year so in terms of risk versus reward i'm definitely think there's more risk than reward with that Derek Henry obviously yeah, I mean it's a uh, it, it's a big question mark. His dynasty value skyrocketed. I mean, it was at an all time low back in November, mm-hmm. and his ADP went from around ninety five to forty five right after the season ended, mm-hmm. and that was just because of that run at the end of the season. So, I think Derrick Henry has a lot. Of, I think you said it. Great NFL running back, just probably a little bit too inconsistent to be a great. Pick. Yeah, I agree. I'm with that. Uh, so I think now is a great time to kick it over to wide receiver. Um, I think let's start off with Tyler Boyd here. Okay. And also, I think it would be great to touch on here if you're buying Boyd. Why are you selling AJ Green? Or if you're selling Tyler Boyd, are you a? Is that because you want to buy AJ Green? So I think the two are kind of their buy sell on them is very much intertwined together. Let's kind of talk both a little bit. All right, I was right there. Uh, I, mean, I would go sell Boyd by AJ Green. In terms of to the draft, you saw I work on that O line. They have Joe Mixon. Who I think is poised for a top five season PPR. I think he's that guy that's going to take that next jump next year. I agree. So on Joe Mixon. Run the ball. Run the ball. And Joe Mixon's a great pass catcher. And they won the more talented running backs in his draft last two. People were really low on him for some reason. So then that's going to open up the game for Dawn. Dawn's an average QB. If he stays healthy, there's going to be some decent passing numbers. People hate Dawn for no reason. But he'll give you a nice 20 TDs, like 12 picks, like 35, 3700 yards. And they have a new coach, no more Marvin, so it's good. It's a good jump. But um, yeah, no, I think AJ Green, if healthy, Tyler Boyd isn't like. I mean, Tyler Boyd's probably better when AJ Green's healthy. Like, you probably want AJ Green healthy. But I'm just scared that like Mixon's gonna get all the red zone targets for AJ Green, and then now you're just stuck with Boyd getting needing a TD, or he's gonna get like four catches for like yards. And like if that's your wide receiver two type price, I'm not happy. Happy with that. I need like a TD guy, one on our team, or, or an offense that's good. 
Bengals are going to be probably not the greatest offense next year due to they want Don off the door. They want Finley to get in there. Um, AJ Green's aging the, the captain there. They're young. They're, they're trying to rebuild young. And then is Boyd going to be a true number one down the line? I don't think he is. His split stats with AJ Green, without AJ Green, is a huge drop off without AJ Green. I mean, you could also say when AJ Green got hurt, Don got hurt. So who's throwing the ball last year? But I think it's just one of those examples where he's not going to be a Wayne or like your number two who's going to be good to go, like a Juju. He's more of a like he needs AJ Green to be successful there. And AJ Green's just too much of a question mark. But you have to buy one AJ because people are low on him, and he can give you another 12 TD, 1200 yard season. One more, and he's done. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a a buy on Green. I'm a Green owner in Dynasty right now, and I've I've seen that his value is not there. He's on the wrong side of 30, um, and. It's just, it's one of those things that people are not willing to invest in him after the foot injury last year. But yeah, I mean, Boyd's a big question mark, but I think Dalton, you've got a good take on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm super, I'm super uh, invested in Tyler Boyd, and I think that this is just the start of uh, a very good breakout for a very good player. Um we're just looking, uh, you definitely mentioned the splits with and without A.J. Green. It's definitely something to consider, for sure, because he did perform over five PPR points a game better um, when A.J. Green was in the lineup. But if we're just looking at a guy who, like A.J. Green, elite wide receiver, uh, I'm just going to kind of touch on both of them. But, um, A.J. Green, elite wide receiver, he's 31 years old now, or he's entering his age 31 season. Um, we just know with uh, wide receiver peak ages, like once you get 30, there's a decline coming. So it's not AJ Green's going to be bad this year. The reason he's a sell is because he's a depreciating asset. Like he's a guy who's not going to gain any value. It doesn't matter how good he does this year. He's not going to gain value. He's a guy that's going to continue to lose value. So I think you have to just sell him while you can, get an up-and-coming asset, an appreciating asset on your dynasty team. Um, who's going to help you in the long run. But if you're a team that's looking to win now, A.J. Green's certainly a guy that you want to go ahead and get for this year. But just talking Tyler Boyd a bit, um, Tyler Boyd is a stud. Uh, one of the better uh, prospect profiles coming out in the past five years, 92nd percent break- breakout age, 86% dominator rating. So he was a very good prospect coming out. He was extremely efficient. He was awesome his rookie year. Second year, just barely saw the field, played like three games, so like, 30 targets people just kind of wrote him off but this is still a dynamic player this is a really good wide receiver and the fact that he broke out last year shows that this is a good player sometimes it takes wide receivers a couple years to break out it took Devontae Adams his third year to break out it took Jordy Nelson his third year to break out it takes a lot of these wide receivers um sometimes three years to break out once you saw that with Tyler Boyd he was extremely efficient last year so if you just put up I mean he was getting volume and he's efficient and if we look at all the superstars in the NFL um, wide receivers, a high majority of them are not only getting high volume, but they're extremely efficient with their volume. And we saw that with Tyler Boyd last year. Um, he, he was, um, he had the uh, eighth best quarterback rating when he was targeted. He had, um, uh, he was he was top twenty in uh, his catch rate, in yards per uh, pass route, and yards per target. Um, he finished as the wide receiver fifteen last year, despite missing two games. Um, and if he, you you extrapolate that full season. 
um, with A.J. Green being there, he would have been the wide receiver 9. And you're currently buying him at the wide receiver 26. So assuming A.J. Green's fully healthy, and assuming what we saw last year with uh, with uh, Tyler Boyd, um, we can definitely see a low-end wide receiver, extremely high-end wide receiver 2 season. You're currently buying him at 6.03, early 6th round in Dynasty Drafts. He's only 23 years old. He's younger than Calvin Ridley. Um, and people kind of don't put that in perspective. Calvin Ridley's heading into second year. Tyler Boyd's heading into his fourth year. And Tyler Boyd broke out. He had a better season than Calvin Ridley last year. But yet, yet he's going later in drafts. So um, Tyler Boyd's a very good buy. He's still entering the prime of his career. Um, not to mention they brought in a coach in Zach Taylor who's offensive-minded. Marvin Lewis is not necessarily the most innovative coach, and he's been there for 16 years. He could be holding back the offense. Bringing in Zach Taylor, um, I think he's just going to help Tyler Boyd a ton because uh, Zach Taylor is part of the offense with the Rams who helped uh, in terms of points per game last year. They had three wide receivers in top 18 points per game with Cup, Woods, and Cook. So um, if he can use some of the stuff he learned there and help just create a better offense and a more efficient offense than what they, we saw last year, I think the I think, I think we could definitely see Boyd um, rise into the conversation as a top 12 dynasty asset and um, really be there in the likes with the studs of the Keenan Allens and the... And the Stefan Diggs. I think he can gen genuinely hop in that tier this year um, with another solid season. Uh, does the QB play scare you at all long term? No, because He's I think Andy, I mean he did well with Andy Dalton, so I don't think that's really a knock on him. And it, let's say I mean the next couple of draft classes are really good at quarterbacks. So if Andy Dalton doesn't do good, they're gonna draft a replacement. So I think that regardless, it's a win-win whether he. Whether Andy Dalton does good, Tyler Boyd's going to win. Or if he does bad, or then Tyler Boyd's going to get an upgraded quarterback in the draft at some point. So um, it's not like Andy Dalton is like an amazing quarterback, but he's good enough to get the job done. So an upgrade at quarterback is only going to help Tyler Boyd. And um, at worst case, you're getting a league average quarterback in Andy Dalton. What do you think, future? Um, I mean, Tyler Boyd is definitely probably a buy at this point by now. His price has rolled since mid-season when he's blown up so you can buy him low invest for the future i mean qb is guilty because how much longer is doctoring a play can they find the future for quarterback for him but aj green's on the down low he can't stay healthy anymore and boy sooner or later will take over that number one yeah 100%. one last thing yeah. to touch on um with tyler boyd and uh uh the 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 question about the quarterback in the future play. Um, Andy Dalton um, got hurt in week 11, and Tyler Boyd still finishes a top 20 wide receiver in three uh, or in uh, three of those five weeks that Andy Dalton missed. So um, Tyler Boyd still balled out without Andy Dalton there. So I just think it's something that to keep in mind in terms of future quarterback play, I don't think it really has too much of an effect on Tyler Boyd as we would think. What week did... Uh... What week did AJ Green get hurt? Uh, I don't know the week AJ Green got hurt. Andy Dalton got hurt week eleven. Let me pull it up real quick here. I want to say like week six to eight. How much be rushed? Yeah, I mean week eleven. I mean, in the four games Boyd played after week eleven, he finishes the receiver 10, 19, 52, and seven. So. I mean, it's there for Boyd, and the only thing that I think that hasn't been talked about yet with the Bengals' offense in general is the investment in the offensive line. The last two drafts, 
they've used their first-round pick on an offensive lineman. And they took Garrett Bradbury, I think it was 11th overall this year, at center. That's going to help Joe Mixon. That's going to balance the offense, and that's going to spell success for both of those wide receivers this year. I really don't think either of them is a bad buy. I think Bengals are severely underrated season. 100%. So AJ Green got hurt week 8, and then he came back week 12, and he got hurt in the middle of that game. So um, essentially week 8 on, you're looking at a, a AJ Greenless uh, Bengals. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the game, I think it was week 10 without him. Um, yeah, week 10 without him. Uh, Boyd finishes the wide receiver 33. So, I mean, that kind of goes to what Robert was saying, that without A.J. Green there, with the focus being on Tyler Boyd, the offense kind of struggled. But if A.J. Green is out there and healthy, I think Tyler Boyd is definitely the better long-term buy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right, so that brings us next to my guy, Tyler Lockett, who I have written plenty about this offseason. Um, for me, Tyler Lockett is probably the most underrated player in fantasy football. And I think Tyler Lockett this year has the potential to finish as a top player receiver. And what that's coming from is a couple things. Last year, he had a historically productive season. He had 965 yards and 10 touchdowns on 57 receptions. That's absurd. Like, the guy just absolutely crushed it last year. And now we bring it back to this year. Russell Wilson had a perfect passer rating targeting Tyler Lockett last year. That that included perfect passer rating on deep pass. Tyler Lockett will likely be filling the slot role much more with Baldwin gone. That means that he's going to have a lot more volume to see. And if you want to look for comparison, I mean, typical, I mean, your typical slot receiver that you think about is probably somebody like Julian Edelman, who in the seasons that he was healthy, finished with 105, 92 and 98 receptions. And last year, after missing four games, had 74 receptions. So if I'm looking at Tyler Lockett as having a floor this season out of a slot with the ability to move to the outside and catch the deep ball of 80 receptions, anywhere beyond that, I think Tyler Lockett is just an insane fire now because. He's going as um, the 43rd wide receiver overall right now. Um, what is it? In Dynasty, he's going 100th overall in Dynasty. You're getting a guy in the ninth round Dynasty start right now that has a floor of 70 targets, and his quarterback had incredible turnover at this off, they passed on DK Metcalf twice in the draft, which means that they didn't like DK enough to take him in the first round or with their first pick in the second round. And so Tyler Lockett is Russell Wilson's safety blanket. He is going to eat this year. 
his efficiency last year, all that tells me is that with more targets, he's probably going to end up with somewhere in the range of a 1,200-yard season. And his touchdowns might regress slightly. He might only have eight touchdowns this season. But if he's pulling in 80 targets this season or 80 receptions this season with that volume, he's going to he's gonna outpace his, his value by far. And I don't think people value him anywhere near where they should be right now. Me personally, I actually didn't know his. I think um, I think you can hold him, but for me, I think he's a top sell. I just don't think he's a true number one wide receiver. I think you can hold him this year because rookie wide receivers don't do well with Wilson. I don't think DK's gonna be ready enough to take over the role. Maybe Gary Jennings can surprise us, but doubtful this year. So I think this year, no matter what, Tyler Walker still gonna be that number one for Wilson. But as a true number one. I don't think that's what Lockett is. So you can hold him this year. But I'm going to have his big breakout year again. The next year, he's definitely a top sell. And plus, that team is a one-first team. That's how they want to be. So Fentry, once DK starts taking over, showing his deep, deep route potential, I think Lockett's just not going to be the number one day no more. So do you think do you think DK and Metcalf to buy and then and, and that's why Lockett is a sell? Um, I don't think DK is a buy just because he has a lot of risk with him as well. Mm-hmm. But DK has the potential to be something special. Yeah, he's a huge risk in <laughs> <laughs> buy. Let's give him a reward. That's my boy, yo, 1.01. Look at the draft picture on him. He has <laughs> You're saying DK should be the 101 right now? He very possibly could be the 1.101 and this draft class. Wow. Wow. I mean. That's how, yeah, my points here. So, Wilson, one of the best deep ball thrower in the league, hands down. Yeah. Deep ball, I think it was against Kansas City last year. Block it. Beautiful, most beautiful pass I've seen all year. It was like fourth quarter. They're down, I think. And he just throws it over the top into the moonlight. Drops a dime. So, is Ty Lockett a deep ball guy or is DK going to be that guy catching on deep ball? DK, man. DK is going to tear it up. Just give him time. Like Seattle, they developed Ty Lockett from out of nowhere to become a, a good wide receiver. Doug Baldwin was another one. He was on draft and push. Legion Boom became a thing. Came out undrafted. Developed him. You saw him slowly get PT. Become something really well. So then next year, you're gonna, next year you do hold Lockett. Maybe buy him this year. You're gonna have a great season. Probably I'm thinking like 75 catches, like seven TDs. But like he's gonna be the leader in receptions, like in targets. So I mean everything's there for you to say I am. He's gonna be wide receiver too. Long term, they're gonna get Gary Jennings and TK, and they spent two cap big two draft picks on wide receivers. Clearly they're not as confident in Lockett as we think they are. Because there's no reason to buy two guys. And people say that's Doug Baldwin. I think DK just showed like, they, 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 they trust their staff to develop DK into like a superstar that he could be, or he could be a bust. I'm all in on DK though. I think he's gonna light it up. Regard, he doesn't need to run routes, just run, run deep. Let him be a Calvin. Calvin was not great, was not very agile, not like as elusive as people like, thought he was. He even run the cone time in his combine, which helped his draft stock. Hurt DK's. But all in all, Lockett, 
expect a great 2019, which you pointed there. Like, he will be the number one guy in the slot. They pass. Like, they're going to do those short intermediate passes to lock it. He's the best route finder there, hands down. There's no tight end, really. That's kind of what it is. But then, like, 2019, people are going to start saying the Seattle's offense, maybe they're going to say, he's going to start peaking. Maybe there's like a wide receiver 24. You sell there. Sophomore year or your third year, DK, Gary James. One of them has to pan out. It's not DK. It's not DK. Gary James is a good father figure. He's a good wide receiver. And then all in all, I just think Lockett long-term would not be the number one. He'll be a number two slot guy his whole career except for this year. So, by themselves. So I can, I can get, kind of get behind the idea that Tyler Lockett's not like a true number one. But but the way the NFL is going, it's like we're starting to see like more of these like gadget, like efficient, like route runners become more target magnets than some of these big-bodied receivers we've seen in the past. So, um, yeah, I think that maybe it could be DK. Maybe it could be someone else in the future. But as of right now, if we're just looking at the roster, um, you have Tyler Lockett. You have David Moore, who showed some flash, but he's not proven or anything, and he's heading into his third year. And then you look at DK Metcalf and Gary Jennings. And we know with rookies, it usually takes rookies a year or two to really start to get going. So if we're looking at just that immediate impact there and what the Seattle Seahawks are able to do this season, Tyler Lockett looks prime to, you know, just he, he could definitely blow up given if Tyler Lockett gets the targets there, I think he's really gonna blow up. But that, I think that's just the question for me. If we just look at what Tyler Lockett's been able to do in his career as a rookie, he had an incredible rookie season. Like he was primed to be the next breakout guy. And here's the interesting thing about Tyler Lockett's career was in his second week, um, in his second season, he actually uh, he actually tore a muscle. He tore uh, he tore his um, or he tore his uh, PCL, but he played through that the entire season until he fractured his leg. So he played through an entire season with a PCL tear, and um, his stats kind of suffered from it, and people kind of looked at, away from it. And then he fractured his leg in like this week sixteen. So he's coming back from that. He's coming back from that crazy leg fracture. It was pretty brutal what happened. Um, and then he played the next year, kind of not fully one hundred percent. So I think last year we kind of saw like the true Tyler Lockett being fully healthy, being a guy who is really living up to what we thought he was his rookie season. So it's kind of going based off of that and what Tyler Lockett is. I think he's a, just a, a really good receiver tied to a really good quarterback. Um, and I think he's going to continue to be efficient there, but uh, I'm just going to buy him because I think at worst case, we're going to see what we saw last year, which is probably like we saw like 70 targets. I think we're, we're probably going to see like 80 targets, worst cases here, but we could definitely see a jump to 110, 120 targets. And at that point, Tyler Lockett is a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one uh, tied to Russell Wilson. There. So um, I think I think he's a buy for the media and long term. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think he ends up somewhere in that 10 to 15 range again this year. Yeah. It's going to, no, no matter what format you're buying him in right now, just, he's going to crush his ADP. And in Dynasty, he's going 100 overall. And in EPR draft leagues right now, he's going as the wide receiver 24. So if you can get as the 24th wide receiver off the board draft leagues this year, somebody who has a floor, 70 receptions, that's insane. Like, 
he's not even talking dynasty long term, but just 2019. And you figure out what you do as a buy sell next year. But Russell Wilson, career, not a career low, but he had the lowest passing attempt of his career since 2013. This and he was still wildly efficient with 35 touchdowns. Russell Wilson has been falling out the last week. And that is in large part Dr. Lockett since 2016, in my opinion. Yeah, I no, think you're that, right. He's an elite well, With, Rob, as you said, it's going to take rookies a while to break out. Totally agree on that, and that maybe DK Metcalf is five wide receiver in four seasons. But, if anything, it's going to take DK two or three years. And, in the interim, I'll lock it. Right. He's Wilson State. True that, true that. He's the only one really remaining last year that's uh that's proven. So, all right, good stuff on Lockett. Uh, who's next on the agenda? So, I think at this point, we're going to kick it over to the tight end at this point. Um, I think we've spent enough time on the uh, the main skill position. So, to not have this go too long, uh, let's kick it over to O.J. Howard and Mark Andrews and uh, – Let's, uh, let's kind of get uh, future fantasy football guys thoughts uh, on Mark Andrews and O.J. Howard real quick. For me, Mark Andrews is probably stand by. Unless you're paying big prices for the big boys, like Kittle, Kelsey. Uh, Andrews, I mean, and Hayden Hurst is like 27, I think. I don't know his age, but he was really old coming out of college, possibly. Um, he's not a pass catcher. He's more of a blocker. So leaves Mark Andrews like the true number one pass catching tight end, and his rack ability reminds me kind of like a Kittle. I'm not saying he's the next Kittle because I think Kittle, but Mike Andrews with that offense, the speed is enormous. That they're gonna have to leave the middle of the field wide open. You got Marquise Brown streaky, and you got Lamar Jackson. You have to have a spy on at all times. Then you got Justice Hill, which my my boy made is in there, very high one. Just knows a dog dog. Season Mike Ingram won them. More underrated running backs in the league. He, he can, he, he'll wear you down all game. Hard. And then, like, just, like, tight ends, they don't break out their rookie season rarely. Like, I, I don't, I can't remember a lot of examples. And it's the Gronk. But, like, we're not talking generational talent here. We're just talking a serviceable tight end where the gap from where you're getting 10 and 5 to 10 and 16 is so minimal, but the price is so high that you'll take a tight end 14. And Mark Andrews over at tight end five and like Eric Ebron. The price is crazy different. I'm buying cheap one Andrews, getting like ten less points overall. And having potential to become like the red zone guy. But there isn't really a red zone target on Baltimore this year, unless you say maybe Willie Sneed, maybe Hayden Hurst. He showed a little bit of that in preseason. But then he got hurt all year. And then OJ Howard for me, he's like people say him top five dynasty tight end asset and he has yet to play a full sixteen games, I think. Just you just sell, and if you lose out on it, you still win out on it regardless. Like the, the risk is way too high for me to even think a top five tight end's worth. If you just get like a 20, 21st and like a semi decent tight end, I'm selling all day. I want that sweet stakes at Jerry Judy over an OJ Howard, who James Winston has shown he likes Cameron Braid a lot, which but Bruce Arians also doesn't use tight ends nearly as much as people think they will. Oh, he's really talented. They have to use. Regardless, he's still going to be the third option. You still have Evans, who's 
three. Chris Godwin, who people are in love with, who think is going to be the PPR beast. And then that leaves Howard, and then, I mean, I call him bum joke because he's awful. But Ronald Jones, people are saying maybe he has a breakout season. They love him out there. And then, but yeah, it's a, one of those things you just sell because the value is so high. And if you if he does actually hit that value, you just live the live. You just live with that and take the profits there. And just go on with your day. You know, he covered well, all the Howard points for me. OJ Howard just sell all I can out on is. Like he's he's really high right now. Everyone's high on him, so you can sell him at a good price. Then Mark Andrews is definitely a top five tight end for me. What we're using the Ravens use tight end systems a lot. Andrews got a feast for them all. Yeah, I mean for me, Mark Andrews. Dalton did a great dive on this for one of our posts on Instagram and Twitter a couple weeks ago. Mark Andrews had the most efficient season for a rookie tight end ever. Like when he got the ball, he was getting first down. He was crushing it. And so for me, especially with Lamar Jackson, you've got a couple new rookie wide receivers in there. And for me, Mark Andrews is just one of those guys that it's going to be a very big fiduciary. He gets up there and target. I mean, Aiden Hurst, could care less about. I know he put on like 20 pounds of muscle this offseason, but Mark Andrews has already proven his worth. He had 50 targets last year as a rookie tight end and 552 yards, and he only had three touchdowns because Mark Andrews only started three games. Mark Andrews comes into that starting role and wins the tight end one role in training camp. That's the big question you have to ask. What happens with Hayden Hurst? They invested quite a lot of draft capital into Hayden Hurst last season. And so for me, that's just the big I am a buy on Mark Andrews the right. I don't think I would pay more than a third round pick for him right now, just because of the question marks that are there. Um and I mean between Lamar Jack, even though I believe in him. And everything else is going on. It's just one of those things that they have a tight end that they invited enough draft capital into last year. That I'm like, I don't know if I can go all the way in on Mark Andrews. He was asked to pay the 308-15 Dynasty League for Mark Andrews, and I turned it down. I was like, I'm not giving you a third-round pick straight up for him. It's leaving him, but I just think that's too rich right now. You know what happens in training. As OJ Howard, Cameron Brake really struggled last year, even though he played in all 16 games. He only had, he had less than 300 yards, and, and he had touchdowns last year, pretty receptive. That pace isn't sustainable. It's just not. On 30 receptions, you're not turning around six touchdowns every season. And I think you're going to see Cameron Brake take a step back, and OJ Howard last year playing less games than he did in 2017 put up 130 yards more same yards per reception and almost the same amount of touchdowns but he had one and a half more receptions per game and 26 more yards per game and he increased his catch percentage in 2018 
think OJ Howard is going to take a huge step forward, and that's going to be in large part because of QB whisperer Bruce Aaron. Damon is going to help this year and will be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And if you believe in Jameis Winston, you have to believe in his tight end. Because Jameis always given plenty of touchdowns to his tight end. I mean, in the last two seasons combined, Aaron Great and O.J. Howard have combined for 23 touchdowns in the last two seasons. And at that clip, I, I don't know how you say you can't buy into them. And if Jameis is clicking and goes for even more yards than he has in the past, then I think O.J. Howard is just going to be disappointed enough right now that you can get in there. He had a down year the last year, but if if Jameis Winston is thrown for over 4,000 yards, O.J. Howard is going to kill it. Yeah. Um, in terms of Mark Andrews, touched on it. Yeah, he had um, definitely one of the best rookie seasons of all time. In terms of efficiency, so you have to look at what they have around there and the fact that we touched on it earlier, like, Rookie wide receivers usually don't produce year one. Even though they did put capital in there, they did that. There's a very real possibility that Mark Andrews is the number one option there for the Ravens this season. And I know it's hard for some people to believe that um, they drafted a tight end round one, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst didn't show much. He's 26 years old. Like He's a guy that I really don't think is someone that we should be concerned about. Mark Andrews came out as a 21-year-old rookie, early declares. Um, have a lot more fantasy success, success than guys who uh, come out later. And just looking at him and the, the situation he's in, it's not necessarily ideal for him to blow up and become a stud, but I think that he can definitely make that step this year to make himself a viable like low-end tight end one. before. Um, and then if all things come together for Mark Andrews and Dynasty, whether it's becoming in a more efficient offense or a more innovative offense uh, with a better quarterback or Lamar Jackson takes a step. Um, there's a lot of things that can definitely go right, but I think in terms of the player, you have to buy the specific player and hope that the situation around him really starts to uh, elevate himself because um, this could be a guy that you're holding on to for a couple of years, but I think at the end of the day, it's a guy that, um, as a rookie, you don't see many guys do what he did, so you have, you have to just say, okay, this is a guy I want to invest in and... Uh, put my chips all in and Mark Andrews as a, as a tight end asset in Dynasty. Um, in terms of O.J. Howard, this is a guy that I think that is a screaming buy. Um, you guys mentioned that uh, Bruce Arian doesn't really target tight ends, and while that's true, it's also because the tight ends are that he's been working with were terrible. Jermaine Gresham, Rob Hausler... Um, Ricky Seals Jones, like these aren't exactly the most exciting tight ends um, that he had to deal with there in Arizona. So just looking from that perspective, yeah, I didn't put up top tight ends there, but when he's with uh, Pittsburgh as offense coordinator there, he had uh, Heath Miller to two top tight two top ten tight end seasons. He also had a uh, Dwayne Allen and a Kobe Fleener with the Colts when he was uh, their head coach there for uh, half a season as well. So there were some good tight ends there. Um, just O.G. Howard as a player uh, last year, he was on his way to becoming, I wouldn't say an elite tight end, but just below, just below the Ertz, the Kittles, and the Kelsey. Like, he was the next guy. He had, uh, last year he had, um, 
all but three games, he finished as a top 10 tight end. He finished five games as a top five tight end last year, and then he got hurt and he went down. And this was all while Cameron Brait there. Cameron Brait still produced a little bit there. And um, now we see guys like Adam Humphreys. You see Deshaun Jackson. They leave. We see Bruce Arians come in, and he's really going to help help this offense really start to go there. Um, we see it a ton with tight ends. Very few tight ends break out before age 25. O.J. Howard this year is going to be age 25. And there's a huge, huge, huge jump in tight end breakouts age 25 versus the year before. Um, it is just crazy. So I think O.J. Howard is a prime breaker candidate. His price, yes, right now is pretty high. You're looking at uh, uh, a fifth-round pick um, in Dynasty, which uh, some people are concerned about. But I'm not concerned about that because I think you're getting the next elite tight end in the fifth round. You don't have to pay the second or third-round price on a on a uh, Kelsey or an Earth. But you can get Howard, who's going to be four years younger than those guys, who I think is really just shown every single thing. He's checked every single box that you want to see in in your first couple years in the season as a tight end, and he's just entering the perfect situation, in my opinion, for him to really break out and enter the category of the Kittle, Ertz, and the Kelsey next year. I think that he's the guy next year that we're looking at in the second round, third round of startups that you're really getting in a fifth round discount right now. So um, totally on board with O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard, bye. Do you guys have O.J. Howard ranked above Evan Eagle? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Just because of the QB situation. Yeah, Eli loves his Titans as well, and Daniel Jones is just Eli 2.0, so he's gonna love his Titans as well. And OBJ gone, a lot of targets opportunity has opened up to Evan Ingram once again. Evan Ingram had a down year last year. That's because of injury. Mm-hmm. But on the field, he was stunning. I think I would take Ingram over yeah. Howard Dynasty wise. That's my what opinion. would you what, what would you pay to get both of them Dynasty? Evan Ingram. I give an example. I just bought Ingram in six or seven. Kind of like very bad. Yeah. yeah. I'll take like Ingram or like a Hunter Henry over OJ Howard, just for like two three rounds less. He's like the most slept on tight end because he tore his ACL, but. Rivers loves his tight ends, and um, I mean, I know Rivers is not going to be there long term, but whoever his successor will be, if it's the guy in the sixth round, he will make sure he knows how to play the way he likes to play. And with OJ Howard, like I said, just is the, I mean, like his health is always scares me. And when you have a top five selling asset in the position, when they've yet to do it, it screams sell for me. If he hits that, which he usually could. I'd rather sell it here, knowing that if he doesn't make it next year, he, his value's done. They'll find the new people. Mark Andrews will be like, oh, the next OJ Howard. You'll have Evan Ingram when he blows up this year. I just think I think he is. People be like, Evan Ingram, why didn't we buy him over OJ Howard last year? Or like Hunter Hammy, when he bounces back, gets a nice double-digit touchdown season. People will be like, well, now some stuff with Melvin Gordon might get hurt. People will be like, give me Henry. Yeah, whenever it's a top five ass and they have yet to do it on selling every year. Like Juju, for me, is a sell. That's just an example. He's a top five wide receiver. He's yet to do it. I'm selling all day. Wow. But I guess that's just how I play. It all depends on how the league owner plays. So you think Juju's a sell this year? Yeah. I'm t- I don't know. I mean, like, he's top five. He's yet to do it. He plays scares me extremely, even though I, I do like Mason Rudolph a lot. But, like I said, Juju could be a benefit 
beneficiary of the run game and AB, and now we're seeing the O-line taking hits. Like, their line is not going to be top five paid up the O-line like it used to be the past four years. And AB is crucial to any offense. So you can look at Dallas Coop, before Coop, after Coop. And just imagine AB way better than Coop. Changes so much. But that's just how I, how I play. I just, I'm more of a, like, I'm more of a seller. The guys who haven't reached what their market price is. And then if it goes above, it goes above. Um, I lose out. But if it doesn't go above, I look like a great play there. Mm-hmm. So you try, you try and avoid a lot of the hype, is what you're saying, and you try and. Yeah, yeah, I'm more. Of a, yeah, play con, play the con. But I mean, I have my own hype. Like Robbie Anderson, I'm a really big yeah. one. Yeah. He hasn't like, I mean, he's kind of a little flashy, but I have him as like a top 16 dynasty wide receiver, which most people probably don't. And like, I mean, like, I don't know. It's just all preference here. But OJ Howard for me. I don't think he's going to get that top three tier. But just what's what's the, is the price for him at tight end four? Best case worth the difference between tight end like twelve, at like thirty points worth difference. That's what comes down. It all depends. We can get him at. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I think the floor there is there for Howard though because if we just look at what he did last year. I mean, he was consistently performing as a tight end or top five tight end. And that was, like we said, with all those scenarios around him not necessarily going his way. And now he enters a better offense. There's 174 vacated targets now um, with Humphreys and Jackson leaving. So um, I think there is a floor. I think there is a solid floor there for Howard where I think, like, worst-case scenario, we're probably looking at a mid-range tight end one, probably, like, uh, 7, 8, 9. That's assuming he's healthy. I think that's, like, worst-case scenario. I think best-case scenario, like, I don't think he ends up be- being a t- top the number one overall tight end, but I, I think that that's definitely within his range of outcomes, that O.J. Howard could be the best tight end in fantasy this year, and it sounds crazy to hear it, but um, I, think there's, I think there's a small chance of that happening. I think it's more likely that um, he could potentially overtake a guy like Kittle or Ertz this year in terms of production. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I... I just, I, I, Rob made an interesting point at the end there. Just the difference in value of tight end between where they finish. And do you want to take the guy who you think is going to finish a little bit lower? And if you think the other guy, his ceiling is probably tight end four, he's never going to break into that top tier. It ends. Is there a difference? And yeah. the answer is probably no at that point. And that, that, that's a very astute point be honest with you and ears are very important in dining where you've got that grouped in multiple tiers and do i think oj howard can break into that tier one maybe is he likely to no and at that point is he more likely to be in the same tier as evan ingram who you can probably buy for cheaper yes so it's really about how you value those guys at that point. So, at the end of the day, it's just what what can you pay for, them? and what are they going to cost you to get the deal? And if you can not necessarily pull one over on another owner, but if you can get a fair price for one of these guys, you think can go and get it done. But right now, a lot of the guys that we've talked about today, the problem is that. A lot of the owners are going to be valuable as early as the back to acquire them is. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree totally. It's all about the value and the tiers. And there's a couple of good guys. You guys mentioned Ingram and Henry. 
those are good guys to buy as well because those guys could definitely jump. They're younger guys. Um, they're all entering age 25. I touched on that uh, breakout breakout age for tight ends. They're all entering that age. So that's definitely definitely a good buy for all those guys. And um, yeah, no, really good point there. It's it's all it's all about how you value these players. Like like if you see a ceiling of a guy that's much higher than that, then you're gonna put it. Um, I know uh, you touched on Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver 16. A lot of people think that's crazy, but it's like, hey, if you value him at that high and you think he's good, and he proved it last year in the fantasy playoffs, he was the number two wide receiver overall during that span. You think the Jets' offense is going to be that good, but hey, take that. There's a lot of people that I feel like um, could use some bold takes. Like like bold takes, like a pe- people who were bullish on Mahomes last year, people who were bullish on Kittle last year, they really were the ones that reap rewards. So I think going out and being bold on these guys and going ahead and you know making your stake and making your claim on guys that you think are going to do well, I think I think they'll definitely have benefits. And also has a downside as well because if that guy doesn't pan out, you look stupid. But if it does, I mean, I mean, hey, all props to you. So, um, I mean, if that guy goes off, it could win you your championship. Exactly. A lot of the guys, you're probably only paying up to a second-round pick for them. So if that second-round pick busts, probably the same bust rate if you draft guy at that position anyway the rookie draft very true very true so i think we've been doing this for quite a while guys uh, i want to leave you with one last question who is one guy who you think the fantasy community is way too low on who you think is going to have who's going to outperform wildly in 2019 just just 2019 yeah redraft dynasty whatever just somebody who you think is for whatever, wherever they're valued at right now, you think they're going to crush it this year? Go first, uh, future fantasy football. Me go first? Yeah, you go first. Um, if I'm to say one on top of my head, I think you got to go from Leonard Fournette. Mm. Out. Why, why now he's going around the third round, around RB2? Leonard Fournette still has top five potential. That team wants for him when he's healthy. There's, and Leonard Fournette catches actually quite a bit of balls. I'm not seeing a lot. Like he's underrated as catching birds underrated because he's not that good of a catcher, but they keep on tossing him. Like they talk him like five times a game. I think round down. Yeah, yeah. Just gotta stay on the field and stay healthy. He can stay healthy. What about you? Top ten reviews. Yeah. What about you, Robert? I'm going. I got like two options, like a low key option, like wait, like you can kind of just spend like a last round fly one. Give me Zay Jones out of mm. Buffalo. I think he's going to do something special there. As long as he proves it this summer and gets that opportunity, once he gets up to, I think he's going to be great. And I think it's his third or fourth year, so that's like my personal wide receiver. You break out there, and then if you're not gener- if you're not amazing talent, you're just going to be a solid talent. Like one of my bigger guys. People are pretty low on for some reason. QB wise, I think Jimmy G is poised for a huge season. If you if you want those guys, wait till the last round for QB. Take Jimmy yeah. G. I think he's good. Because injuries, some reason in redrafts, make people not want them. ACL tear for a pocket passer, I'm not trust about it at all. Okay. Offense. What about you, Dalton? Christian Kirk. Yeah. We knew that was coming. Um, now, Christian Kirk's entering offense. That's going to be um, a lot more innovative uh, in terms of just getting the ball last year. is one of the worst offenses ever. Uh, Christian Kirk, 
was one of the most efficient wide receivers last year, despite being in a terrible offense with a quarterback who didn't play well last year. So, um, uh, just looking at his rookie season, how efficient he was able to be, uh, his age entering in, the system that he fits in, he kind of meshes with Kingsbury perfectly. Already has a connection with Kyler because they played at A and M together. Um, I think I think he's really going to explode um, relative to ADP this year. So um, I'm all on Christian Kirk. All right. Yeah. I mean, for me, the guy that I actually spent quite a bit of time looking at the other day for a bounce back article, and it seems kind of weird to label this guy as bounce back, but Kirk Cousins, and he had a fantastic season last year finishing in career highs in multiple categories. But I think with Kirk Cousins, he only finishes the QB third team last year with three top six finishes on the season, even though he had a career high in passing attempt touchdown. And on a season-long basis, low in interception, I think he's going to be even better this year. They've got a new offensive coordinator who really got his clicking in the good way week 15 against Miami when he took over. You saw a big tournament those last two games before they came up against the Chicago Bears in week 7. And let's be honest, Chicago Bears are not something that you want to be measuring a new offensive coordinator against. That defense is going to just destroy anybody. And at the end of the day, Alvin Cook is healthy now. They've got new tight end in Irv Smith Jr., and Cousins absolutely loves his tight end. And not to mention the investment that I already talked about when we uh, earlier with um, the investment in Garrett Bradbury uh, this offseason. Currently going outside of like the top 24 QBs in Dynasty Startup, I think, Cousins is wildly underrated. And with the new tight end infusion, it actually offers something very intriguing because from 2015 to 2017, Kirk Cousins was the most efficient back in when two teams were on the field. He had three more passing yards per attempt when there were two tight ends in the nation. And if that was averaged out over an entire season, he would have bested Kurt Warner's record for most yards per attempt seasons. Wow. So if you can get if their offensive coordinator is a fan of analytics and they realize how much Kirk Cousins copies tight ends, he is going to obliterate his ADP in 2019. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that happening. That was a good one, Kenny. So, That's a good one. Um, well, hey, Future of Fantasy 1, guys. Um, it was Future of Fantasy. It was a pleasure having you guys tonight. Uh, we'll tag you guys. I think we'll put this out tomorrow at some point, most likely Dalton, right? Yeah, tonight probably. Yeah, tonight so tomorrow we'll make sure we tag you guys, get some, uh, some retweets on that, and uh, see how the community reacts. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. It was good getting some insight on uh, some players. Always good debating and talking fantasy football. So, uh, appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you as well. Yeah, glad we could get this together, guys. Have a good night. Thank you.